veggie. Reggie's a veggie. Welcome to the St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. I'm your host, Mike Russo, and we have a very special episode for you today. Um, it came to mine and Will Santana's attention that we've been a little unfair to Bushroot lately. When we did the episodes where we uh, raided Negaduck, Quackerjack, and Megavolt, we gave them five gas gun canisters. Both of us did. When we did Dry Hard, we had a few special guests come on to rate Liquidator, and they rated him five gas gun canisters. And we realized poor Bushroot is the only member of the Fearsome Five who did not get five gas gun canisters. And while that is very, you know, it suits Bushroot for being a friendless loser, um, <laughs> we figured, you know, we have to give poor Bushy his due. So we decided to bring in one of the creators of Bushroot, Jim Peterson. Welcome, Jim. Uh, th thanks, Mike. Uh, great to be back again. Yes, our listeners who have not caught up with all of our episodes, we had Jim on several months back um, because him and his writing partners, um, John Banky and Rob Humphrey, they wrote Ghoul of My Dreams. So Jim's already been on the podcast. Jim also recorded an interview with us for Will's virtual panel. So we figured um, to have Jim on so we could talk a little bit about Bushroot tonight. Okay, great. So welcome back. It's great to have you on again. Yeah, great to be back. Um, yeah, uh, uh, as I have mentioned in, in several places, uh, uh, Reg Reggie uh, Bushroot is uh, is like a child of mine. Um, so I mean, there's many creators. It's not wasn't solely my creation or anything like that. But I do feel that uh, it, it's close as you could come like within a structure of Disney that uh, he's, you know, a uh, part of me, I guess you would say. I guess, I guess no one writer could claim ownership to any of these type of characters, huh? Oh no. Yeah. It's always like a back and forth thing. Although I, I still remember, I, I remember the exact location where I was when I as it came up with the, what would been the, the idea of him, but it, he, he didn't have his name yet or anything like that. He was just kind of a uh, like a hapless farmer gone nuts doing genetic <laughs> uh, experimentation on his corn plants. And uh, the episode was going to be, called, you know, the way we pitched it was um, the corn stalks at midnight was going to be the title. And, oh, that was such a funny title. And. Uh, <laughs> And his name was going to be Bib overall, uh, you know, later, oh, in, like the God. Incredibles, kind of similar to, you know, the Underminers, <laughs> you know, along those lines. Kind of uh, funny for an episode, but definitely couldn't have stuck. Yeah, probably, probably, probably wouldn't have stuck around then. So, you know, Tad, you know, John Robin, I, um, but, um, came from farming, essentially farming country. We're, we were city folks, but particularly John, he, he lives in a, re he came from a really small town in Illinois. So, you know, and that ha had actually gone out and detasseled corn and, and, and stuff with summer <laughs> jobs. So, you know, and, and um, just prior to moving out to California, we had also done some work for John Deere where we actually did like a silent movie uh, for, uh, John Deere uh, that they would show during their conventions <laughs> where uh, I'm a farmer uh, walking, um, hitchhiking with a cow because my van, my uh, cow trailer has broken down. <laughs> so, yeah. so it was probably, you know, kind of feeding in, you know, all that stuff, you know, farm character. Got to write, 
Gotta write what controls, you know. Yeah, controls plants, you know, and stuff like that. And we had just met, I don't think we had even just met Tad yet. And I'm a little, uh, that part I don't remember. But anyway, I was walking to the grocery store from our apartment uh, down, we actually lived on Alameda at that time where the the main Disney studio mm-hmm. is. Uh, we lived a couple miles up from that, uh, up towards the Verdugo Mountains, uh, just in, um, most of uh, Alameda is in Burbank, but uh, we live actually lived in Glendale, uh, just on the other side of Glen Oaks. Uh, so I was walking from the, my apartment down to the the uh, local Ralphs and uh, uh, dodging the big, uh, <laughs> they had like palmetto bugs, which are like the giant cockroaches and stuff like that. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I was alongside this, there was a very rundown restaurant kind of thing that was between it. Uh, and uh, I was near a palm tree and uh, and that's when, I don't know, it, it uh, <laughs> just where I was like, oh, okay, yeah, and this guy, you know, this just started the the chain of events. So it's it's kind of cool, you know, thirty years later to to go, okay, that's where his genesis essentially, you know, started. Mm. Um, and uh, we pitched three three premises uh, at the same time, uh, and and the two got bought. Uh, so the one became the ammonia pine episode and that was uh, your first one right that was yeah it, yeah that was the first one i can't remember that was like why, third why... or fourth in production order i know that one was right. a super early one right i i can't remember why ted picked he picked that one for us to do first um of the two i think because maybe because we were still working on uh what what's eventually became bush root he uh right away changed his name to uh to, to Bushroot, it was Philip Bushroot at first, and um, and and made him a scientist, and then we. Uh, so that was Tad. That was Tad. That was that was Tad. I think, although he said, "Yeah, okay, let, let's do. We want to do scientist." It was like, oh, you know, that's it's cool. Although I think we our thought was, okay, you know, has that been done too much? But we had it hadn't really been done. None of the other other villains had taken shape yet. So oh, then he said, okay, well, we'll stay away from that kind of with everybody else. So he's the scientist who turns we'll, villainous. We'll just make the rest of them totally insane. Right, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so, um, and then, but this, the sense that I had for him of being, yeah, I don't know, you know uh, socially awkward and, uh, you know, uh, uh, like a thinker, you know, nerdy kind of guy. I mean, that all kind of still melded into, you know, uh, into his, you know, the vision of him and, and stuff. Right. And, it, and I, it, it, the uh, the line that you quoted is why his name was Reginald. Right, Reginald, right. His name back to Reginald because I, I thought of, oh, when Dr. Gary and Larson are, are teasing him, that it would be great for him to call call him <laughs> Reggie yes. is Reggie. That's a stroke of brilliance. Yeah. So. Like, like seriously, even in the episode, the score goes wah 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 wah. <laughs> it's that again. Yeah. That was just a perfect decision. Yeah. It's so. Um, and Who then, came up with all the other original characters in the episode? Rhododendron, Dean Tightbill, uh, um, Gary well, Larson. Um. I mean, I th- Ted definitely wanted 
them to be named Gary and Larson after, you know, uh, the Farsighted creator, uh, which, you know, he thought of and made them con- very consciously the, their designs mimic Farside designs. Uh, Wouldn't be the last time on Darkens. Oh, no, no, no. Like, uh, <laughs> what's the name Twin of the, Beaks. the cow? Twin Beaks, where the cow comes and is from Planet the, Larson like, on the far side of the galaxy. Of the galaxy. That's yes. right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it, um, yeah, it was. Of a, I mean, we had a lot of influences going into Darkwing, but that that was probably the one that uh, then that was coming out on like on you know on a weekly basis at least, like oh you gotta you gotta see the newest Far Side like every week pretty much. Oh, you know, shit, well that and Calvin and Hobbes. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we were we were all like huge Calvin and Hobbes and in Bloom County back then too was really funny. Now, what a lot of people like to do is try to find equivalents in Batman's rogues gallery to the Darkwing villains. Was Poison Ivy ever an inspiration for Bushroot? Um, I think in Ted's more in like say Ted's mind, but I oh I was never into like the, those kind of comics. I was I grew up more with like the Donald Duck, and that was true too with um, like John and to a limited extent. I don't think Rob ever got into comics at all. Mm-hmm. I remember we grew up, we, we were, um, you know, really close friends since first grade. So, uh, yeah, I don't remember Rob being into comics at all, but I, I had a, I had a fairly big collection, but it was mostly like, uh, really like Donald Duck cartoons, uh, comics and stuff like that. By the, um, time you started writing the episode, was there anything that you had tried to put into the episode that didn't quite make it in anything that could got deleted because i know we uh, talked about scenes that were supposed to be in a uh, ghoul of my dreams and never made it right uh, additional sleepwalking scenes you never got around to never got around to finishing in the, in right. the episode anything like that in beauty and the beat any scenes oh, well, that... yeah, there there is i um i don't know what state some of them made it into the final script and even to the recording because you you uh, sent me recently um i've seen the a storyboard and the script and it's very close to what's on screen. Yeah, uh, so I probably that was probably the shooting or whatever they they called the production script. So I, somewhere between our final draft, which I don't have a copy of, and the um, uh, Ke- Kevin Hopps's final draft, which is the one that goes into production, um, there were some scenes like uh, I think I th- I'm nearly positive that it, to our final version of the script. There was a scene, a short scene where Dr. Larson and, and Dr. Gary are, are working, and the vines are creeping into the uh, into the lab. Uh, and the the uh, I know I had I wrote like this really long solilo- soliloquy of uh, for Bushroot, where he uh, where I walked him through like all the 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 mental steps from go- being oh i'm the dr doolittle of the plan plant world mm-hmm. where he's like very positive about this to twisting it to where he con- you know essentially contemplates murder <laughs> so within but, like within like 15 seconds right but it, it, <laughs> it in the first version it was really it was about a page of dialogue which you know is just watching a character talk on screen so kevin rightly cut it down to you know uh you know to a, that what what's in there now but um but 
I think at least as I uh, wrote that uh, scene, I know some of that survived as like sides uh, where uh, when they had people audition for Bush Fruit, mm-hmm. uh, they read read those lines and, and like, you know, kind of got up in the character. So it could have helped shape, you know, the the voice uh, that uh, Tino, Tino came up with, which, I mean, is fairly close to all his other voices, but it's still, it was perfect it's, casting it's for him. It's Tino's voice. Yeah, right. Yeah. Whether, yeah. whether he's Bush Fruit <laughs> or Uncle Ted or all the other characters on Bonkers he's done, right. it's, it's still Tino. Right, right. Or Mr. Grouper from, uh, yeah, from Bubble Guppies for the younger audience out there. <laughs> no, well, my, my little girl. Oh, yeah. That oh, was right, one of her yeah. first favorite shows was oh, uh, yeah. Bubble Guppies. And the first time we saw it, me and my wife were like, hey, it's Bushroot. It's Tino. <laughs> that's, that's right. Uh, yeah. rest, rest in peace, Tino. Oh, um, yeah. I know. I, uh, yeah, I was very sad to hear his passing. Well, one of the, I, we never made it to the, oh, no, we did. Yeah, we went to the, the recording room. Recording. Uh, for it's a wonderful leaf, but not for uh, Beauty and the Beat. Uh, but uh, the first time I ever saw him was in um, in the lobby of, of Disney TV Animation. They made him a a, a sculpture of Bushroot, and yes. he was picking it up, and it was I, like, oh, I, I felt, I, you know, I was like so proud. <laughs> I was, haven't seen that much. one, but I've seen Michael Bell's Quacker Jack. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, they, they, they were really. They, I wish I, I had one. Um, Tad uh, has a bunch of those on his shelves in his office. Yes, I've yeah. Seen pictures. Yeah, so yeah, they're really cool. Yeah, artist uh, sculpt uh, model sculptures. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, they made one for Tino of Bushroot, and uh, I, that was that was great to, to see. So that he that he cared about enough about the character to. to uh, so I've I have definitely have a couple of questions about this episode in particular. Going in, was there an intent to use Bushru as an ongoing villain um, early on, or did that just yeah. come out after the episode was done? No, uh, no he, he, uh, Tad definitely knew that he wanted to use him again. Um, he didn't uh, say specifically, um, you know, where, uh, <clears throat> what, you know, what other scripts that he had in, in mind for him. Although um uh, trying to think. We we did start talking about the Christmas episode not too long after. Um by the time we had finished um Dirty Money, Disney offered us a, a five script deal. Uh, and we Okay, so that would include the, uh, Capers, Girl of My Dreams. Right. Um and then the next one was the Christmas episode. So we knew that we had started formulating, you know, we could kind of wanted to bring them back. Uh, and both comic book capers and ghoul were more given to us by Tad and, and Kevin Hopps, you know, stories that, that, uh, 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 well, Carter Crocker, where we worked with Carter on comic book capers. So, um, uh, but that was a you know a, an outline that we had fleshed out in, into um, uh, the script and stuff like that. But uh, uh, so yeah we yeah we uh, the Christmas episode was several months like pre planning. We knew it was coming up, so uh, that was our chance to to reuse him. Well, before we move into that one, I do have it's not a specific Bushroot question, but it's definitely a Beauty and the Beat question. Mm-hmm. Was there any concern? 
going into the writing of that one that literally there's an entire act goes by a Darkwing's really not even in it. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. Definitely. Um, that that's why we came up with um, the Darkwing uh, files. The Darkwing files. I uh, knew it. Yeah, because that. I knew uh, and 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 that's sort of based on um, we in one of our film classes uh, down at Southern Illinois University, we had a, a guest uh, screenwriter come and do a, like a residency with us, and he was the writer of um, a film called Naked City. Uh-huh. which was served as like the basis for uh, Dragnet eventually. And that's the way that that Naked City kind of opens up. There's a million stories in the city of New York. And, and uh, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. And that that's where, you know, I, I came up, got that idea, you know, and so that we could be in our cut and, and stuff. And, because the craziest thing is that one kicked off the first week of the Disney afternoon for that season. Yeah. And I mean, first of all, you got to have Bushwood up front. I mean, that's got to be an honor, like the first oh, one. Yeah. But yeah. it's also the episode, you got no Goslin, it's not going to any of the good studios, and right. you potentially <laughs> might lose your audience by just not having Darkwing in it. Right, yeah. Uh, I appreciate no. it now as an adult. As a kid, I was like, oh, man. But now I see I, it's a great episode. But yeah. um, there must have been some worry then. I, I guess that's I, why, you, it's why I, you came up with the Darkwing files. Well, yeah, and I, I don't know that he was originally planning because I, I think it was a, a lot less, um, even though, uh, we had started writing the script when it was still double O doc. Mm-hmm. We, I think we were only in, um, outline stage at that point. Wow. So we didn't have to do the conversion like we did, it ha- did with, um, uh, dirty money. But, uh, if I may digress one quick question, uh-huh. Did a lot in that script have to change after he was changed to Darkwing Duck, or it was just a situation of plugging in the names? It was mostly plugging in the names, but although there there is a surviving gag from when he was a little more, uh, um, it's you know, a spy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, gadget kind of guy. Right. Uh, his uh, buzzsaw cufflinks. I'm not sure that they ever get used again, but that was specifically like. You know, uh, like a James Bond, you know, uh, you know they, smell. they do come back like later, way later in the series. And Darkwing makes reference. He says, once again, saved by my buzzer. <laughs> oh, okay. So they, they actually, they do come back. Okay. But still, that's a definitely, you know, it's a little, you know, more of a spy gadget than. Right. Uh, like he's got acid cufflinks and in like blunt. And that was a super early one too. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. And I, that, that might've even been like. I don't remember the the double O Bible at that point, whether they mentioned, I know he's supposed to have like little gadgets and stuff like that, but I don't I remember don't, specifically if he said he'd had different kind of cufflinks or that something. That would only make sense though, if he did. Yeah, I probably would because in my blunt was, yeah, that was really early too. But I mean, that, and that got pushed way late in the production. Both, both of the France episodes did. I heard Tad say it was an animation issue, not anything else. Not oh, okay. Yeah, because it was it's the, the two latest the two earliest episodes aired super late and they were both France episodes so I think oh, it right, was I think right. it was a uh, animation issue. Oh, probably yeah. Um, so now I want to jump over to the Christmas one. Oh, okay. I so. absolutely love this episode. Okay, yeah, uh, I, I too. It was um, yeah, of probably of the Darkwing episodes. Well, uh, both Bruce episodes are are 
you know, um, just for me, like the most special of the episodes. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I think that I think we realized. I mean, we were just learning what to do with in the show on Beauty and the Beat, but yeah. by the Christmas one, we had already, you know, that was our like our fourth script, so we were, you know, like seasoned pros by then. So you like know, every by the time F they no, got fifth, to... fifth script, fifth script, yeah, sorry. By the time they got to um, it's a wonderful leaf. Everything was clicking with the show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like and even, uh, like even the overseas studio Sun Woo, who I could definitely leave on Beauty and the Beat, had their act together by It's a Wonderful Leaf. So even yeah. that was working in the show's favor. Even the lesser animation studios turned in good work later on Darkwing. Yeah, yeah, um, def definitely. Um, the uh, just uh, as a as a personal forever, that what that episode was known as "Just Say Noel." Was uh, it? Yes. See, I've read the writer's bible, and they were referring it to referring to it as a bushroot Christmas. Oh, yeah, but it, before that, that's uh, well, it might have been, yeah, I don't Noel. know. That's probably when it was, Tad probably put it on, like, the production list because he knew when, when we got to that slot, you know, it would, we'd be writing mm -hmm. that one. But, uh, yeah, as soon as we started writing the, uh, the uh, the outline and premise or whatever, but, yeah, it was always just say Noel through past recording even it, wow. was, it was somebody in legal department who went oh no we can't have that they would have it might offend uh, Nancy Reagan oh. <laughs> like, what <laughs> well I got I gotta say as much of a groaner as it actually is for Darkwing yeah. Duck a title like it's a wonderful leaf. It's so stupid, it's really funny. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That was um so we actually had like a little naming sort of like a naming contest. Like uh Tad wanted a, a Christmas to retimber, which is you know, that's kinda good. <laughs> and uh uh but it was a we were on bonkers by the time that we had to come up with the the new name and uh it was uh, our fellow fellow bonkers writer, uh Bob Schechter, who um uh came up with the title uh yeah, uh, it's a wonderful leaf. So that's one of those things when you say it, the room either bursts out laughing or the entire room just collectively <laughs> groans. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but for Darkwing Duck, like dumb puns like that are really, oh, really oh, good. Oh, sure. Yeah, and then uh, for you know, it's funny because Bob didn't even write on um, Darkwing at all. You know, no. but, uh, he is a very, he was a super funny guy. So um, we were talking before the record started that. It's possible to group Bushroot episodes into episodes that are truly Bushroot shows mm -hmm. and episodes where, yeah, he's the villain, but it's not his show. I mean, I love Night of the Living Spud. I think Steve Roberts wrote an amazing episode, but it's mm -hmm. not Bushroot's episode. No. The same thing with Easy Come, Easy Grows. He shows up 17 minutes in. Yeah. And then he kind of, in air date, he kind of just drifts away into the background he doesn't mm -hmm. get solo spots he only shows up with the fearsome five and amongst hardcore more flamboyant characters like quacker jack negaduck and megavolt he mm -hmm. just ends up being totally overshadowed and i know right. you had agreed with me with that one. Oh, oh, yeah definitely yeah he's just uh, yeah i think in a way because he yeah he, he does since he is kind of yeah, you know me with you know, uh, uh, nervous, uh, you know, not self-confident, really, or anything, you know, just, uh, yeah, uh, timid, in a, in a way, with great superpowers. <laughs> it's just crazy. 
too stupid to realize these guys can take these guys can beat Negaduck if they wanted to. Oh, I'm sure. Smart enough to realize that. Right, right. Um, Any of them could could have. (laughs) There's no reason for Bushroot to be afraid of Negaduck's chainsaw. If he can be shredded by a lawnmower and totally be fine, or (laughs) fed into a wood chipper, he doesn't need to be afraid of a chainsaw. Neither does your liquidator, but they are. Um, (laughs) But then, but then along comes the wonderful leaf with which puts Bushroot up front. Yeah, def- definitely, and and I, I, I yeah, I think of uh, and I think I'm pretty sure I've seen them all, although some has been a long time. I think it's mm-hmm. the one where he gets his due the most. I mean, it is his, you know, it, it recapsulates where he was in Beauty in the in the in the right. beat. He's just try- you know, he's trying to find his place in society, and society isn't, you but- know. Here's what makes this episode so great and so funny and so perfect, Jim. He starts off as he is not the antagonist when this thing starts. Oh, no. He's just a poor guy who wants to do his Christmas shopping. Oh, yes. You totally sympathize with him. You totally feel for him. The entire town is just a bunch of jerks. (laughs) Oh, yes. And, like, this, the the cynicism in this episode about Christmas is something I'd expect from The Simpsons. Yes. Not Disney. (laughs) <laughs> but this, this poor Bush Root is just, I mean, he doesn't deserve any of this. But the way he immediately turns and yes. then spends the rest of the episode as a smug jackass the entire yes. time. <laughs> That's true. Like, very, very... He, goes, he, goes, he goes from a nice guy to full Grinch in a matter of a few seconds. Right, yeah. And, 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 and I, I love and, it. Yeah, some of that, too, is highlighting, like, different, slight differences in, in our writing style. So, like... Where, especially by, by the end where, uh, where Darkwing is, like, narrating and then Bushroot interrupts him with, and that's me, you know? Oh, that's... Jim, I love that. We pointed it out in our episode. Oh, that's yeah. me. That's, and then he mentions Bushroot. That is, that's oh, me. That's, that's so a, meta. Yeah. That's a Rob moment. The, that, that's Rob's line and that Rob segment. The, he, so he got a lot got a lot of the, uh, like, gave Bushroot a, like, a, a, a more yeah. attitude by then, you know? Darkwing turning to the camera and saying that me is fine for Darkwing, it doesn't take you out of, like, the moment, but right. to cut to another, cut to another location entirely just so Bushroot can go, that's me! Yeah. It's <laughs> like, this is, this is the point in both production and air date where Darkwing has hit its finest period. Yes. And you yeah. see it. You see it in this episode. Yeah. And it's just... Everything about every bush routine is just perfect. Just the way you guys write him. Just the everyone has to celebrate in their own way. Like That's Tino right. is the only time right. in the series Bushroot just gets to be smug. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah. And the the merry ho ho ho. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. And, oh, oh my gosh. I, I have to tell you <laughs> uh, a little story about that. So we were writing that and then and Somebody came to us and they wanted us to write the official Disney TV TV animation Christmas card. And we put that line in like Mary Ho Ho Ho. <laughs> and so and I went out and I mean, it's, like all it's these not Mary, were, It's were, not Merry Christmas. It's not Ho Ho Ho. It's Mary <laughs> I've never heard it done like that before. And but like then we hear all these complaints, like people found it like <laughs> offensive or something. Or like, I, you ask comedy writers to come with their Christmas card. What do you expect? <laughs> and um, you guys also wrote the definitive Bushroot self-assessment line. I'm not oh. really sinister, just oh. misunderstood. That's right. And yeah. they used that in a commercial. 
There was a commercial where the the, the announcer names each Fearsome Five member. And when he mentions Bushroot, (laughs) he calls him Sinister. And they cut to Bushroot from this episode. I'm not really Sinister, just misunderstood. And me and Will agree. That's like the definitive Bushroot line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I, I I've forgotten that one. Um, the thing thing I remember also on that that one was trying to fi- figure out how to stretch out his plot, um, so that it took a little longer to do. So that's mm-hmm. why, because Busher really doesn't need to use the the star. Uh, no, he has his own powers. Right, but that was kind of a device that we just needed to bridge from when the the. Christmas trees actually stole all the presents. Yeah, and how he how he could do it all like simultaneously. So it was a little device. But he's also play acting in general in a military. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So it was. Like, I mean, it was a fun device to do, but it was like, well, you know, he doesn't really need to do that, even though it, I I don't find know, the bushroot stuff to be padding. The only scene I think. I feel it feels like there's more being added, and honestly, it's super, super funny. Regardless, is that long scene of Darkwing and Launchpad on the Santa sleigh getting dragged around St. Canard? Oh yes, yeah. But yeah. it's um, funny. Yeah, it's, and that one—that one's where I don't know when you first envision a scene and you go, "Okay, this is going to be great." And I remember, even though I, it wasn't really in like the section section that I ended up doing the script on, right? I, I remember kind of planning out the how that the sleigh was going to hit the, it was actually supposed to be a Volkswagen bug and go up and ramp up over the car. And that's that how it gets sense. elevated. And uh, yeah, it didn't get in animated. The, in the episode, out. the momentum just lifts up the sleigh. Yeah. So but, yeah. I mean, it could have been, it could have gone on too long, but two things save it. It's, it is mostly dialogue. It's Goslin's line, King right. gear. I'm never going to forget this Christmas. <laughs> that's and, right. I don't know how. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know why Terry was directed to scream like Screech, as yeah. the as the, as a slave flying over Saint Canard. I was when we recorded this. I was talking to Will how on Ducktales and Darkwing when Terry would scream his launch pad, he would just be like whoa. But in this oh, yeah, episode, right. he's being directed to shriek. Yeah. As they're flying over, and it sells it. It makes the right. whole thing worth it. Yeah, <laughs> so. I don't know if it would have worked as well if it just wasn't for uh, yeah, Jenny embellishments. Jenny, G- yeah, yeah, Jenny was a genius. Yeah, she was. She was. A, you know, she just. You know, every recording session we went in with, she just knew like this is like that. And even if it's not what you meant, her way was better. Generally, it was like, oh wow, okay, this is great. Whose so. idea was it for a toothless darkwing to sing "All I Want for Christmas Is My Two Front Teeth"? Oh, that and that would be Rob. Yeah, that was Rob. okay. That was great, and the grotesque uh, drawing that goes along with it is fantastic. Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah. I wish I knew. Actually, I know the storyboard artist. Ah, Rich Chidlon. Oh, what's the other guy's name? I can picture him, but I can't think of his name. We actually, did, it was like like the only script that we actually got to meet and talk, discuss things with the storyboard artists. Um, so they and and um, the the director was. Um, uh, Tim Walker on that one. Mm. Yeah, who went on to, he went back over to Warner Brothers later, so it did a lot of the Sylvester and Tweety mysteries and stuff like that. So. Everything comes together in this episode yeah. really, really nicely. You guys managed to capture a very, um, like, I was 12 when this one aired. A little bit older than Goslin and Honker, but you definitely capture 
what it's like being a kid at Christmas, just desperate mm-hmm. to open the presents. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, another thing that works about this, and I compare it back to other Disney Afternoon Christmas episodes, um, a lot of them ends up, end up being a little schmaltzy. Mm-hmm. But this one doesn't forget that first and foremost, it's Darkwing Duck. Yeah. And doesn't get schmaltzy until like the last That's couple right. of minutes. And, that and even a... then, it still yeah. works. It, 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 yeah, that's a, yeah, it's kind of a, um, so that, that part of the episode, I don't remember how it originally ended, but that wasn't in for like the longest time. Um, Goslin says, you can't be poor if you have friends. It's like, oh, it's so yeah. Barbara Goslin, don't talk like that. It's like, I'll take it over a whole episode where Molly Cunningham doesn't believe in Santa Claus and they have to play act Santa Claus for a whole episode. Oh, yeah. I'll take yeah. it over that kind of thing. Right. Um, because it still works. It's Darkwing Duck, even when it gets yeah. corny, it still works. Yeah. The um thing on that, which is strange in retrospect to look back on, uh, Hunker's, you know, throughout the episode, but he only has, he actually one has one line, line and one uh, sad line, and that's the only time we ever wrote for Hunker. So we only like gave Hunker one. Not in one. any of your other episodes. No, then at all. Actually, that was the first time we wrote for Goslin too. That was we, we oh, it was Com- right. Well, she was in comic book capers, but not for a very. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's Hunker. It's like three right. minutes of screen time yeah. though, Goslin, in but that she, one. Yeah, she's just like a cameo. Yeah, but it was the first time she was integral to the to the plot. You know. Yeah. So, right. You guys didn't write a lot, Goslin, because she wasn't in twitching channels either. No, yeah, um, she was in the in um, we worked her into, yeah, hot spells, but also the one that we wrote the outline for, uh, my Valentine Ghoul. Oh, you guys uh, didn't stay on that one, right? Yeah, so it, yeah, we uh, we actually got, uh, I'm pretty sure we got pulled on that one, and they gave it to Doug so that we could start on the. Right, right. They moved, up the, they moved up production on the Christmas episode. So, um, on the, it's Wonderful Leaf. So, uh, anyway, yeah. Um, but uh, funny, I was going to mention Honker's lack of dialogue because, you know, early on in the show, a lot of the writers were having seemed to have problems with Honker. There was a couple of episodes where he either doesn't speak at all or doesn't speak till the end. Right. So this one, yeah. this one comes super late in production, and I'm, I was, I was surprised when I really realized that. Honker had no dialogue. Yeah, it. Uh, I think it was later when we started seeing like some other people's <clears throat> shows come back, and like I got more of a sense like, oh, this is how you use him. Especially uh, one of the ones that fairly early that came back, uh, Battle of the Brain Tweet Tweezers. Um, oh, Kevin Campbell, Brian Swindler. Right. Yeah, and, and I, I and at the time I. I uh, I haven't seen that one in like forever, but I, I really love that one. That was that was hilarious when we was like, oh, that's how you use, uh, even though it's not him. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Honker does sort of seem a little su- Honker does seem a little superfluous going in when you before you get the character. Right. He does not seem like he needs to be there. But yeah. the, the the more other writers got a beat on him, the more he did work after a while. Right. But very Especially, early on, yeah. you saw writers not quite sure what to do with him. Right. Especially uh, yeah, like. Probably the biggest one that comes to mind is the the first Splatter Phoenix one, uh, yes. Birth of Oblivion. Oh, you know, that one's so fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. speaking of characters that no one knew what to do with, um, 
So your episode here is the last one with Tank Muddlefoot. Yes, and and, so, and we didn't know that at the at the time. Um, and we did want him. I mean, uh, oh, definitely in the mall, really in the mall, in the mall scene. Uh, you know where Busher is playing. Um, Laughing the candy cane. Yes. <laughs> so, oh, since, since, since this episode is supposed to give Busher his due, when the Santa gets whacked and the trees part, and he goes. Ho ho ho! <laughs> like he never, he never gets to act like that. Like that. No, <laughs> never, 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 never. In other episodes, like Twin Beaks, he's he's actually the good guy, and in all yeah. later episodes, he's just a friendless wimp who's so desperate for affection. Here, right. he's this is the closest he really gets to being evil. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. he's loving it. Oh, he is. That's yeah. That's the thing. He's, yeah. No, I'm it. sorry. Help. Back to I'm sorry. Back to Tank. Oh no! Well, <laughs> okay. So here's how this. Uh, well, are there three? There, uh, there's there's I, three scenes with him. There's the yeah, one where he's the in the mall. He gets hit with the candy cane, and then, then he, he eats, eats the, the gingerbread, gingerbread heads. Right. Okay. And then and in the um, end, he gets his ass caught in a bear, bear trap. Okay. So, all right. My apologies to Kevin Hobbs if we ever <laughs> if he ever actually listens to this. <laughs> it was it, it was actually more. I, I didn't so much mind the gag. I don't know. It was just, it seemed a little like coming out of nowhere where Tank uh, sets the trap for Santa. Like, what? what do you, oh, well, I, I guess it maybe it relates back to the mall. Maybe that was Kevin's thinking. But, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. And, but uh, <laughs> we kept, we took it out of several drafts. <laughs> we took it out. The bear trap out gag out, and uh, Kevin kept putting it back in. <laughs> so, well, I do have to admit, it adds, adds a layer of dark humor to a sequence that was getting a little schmaltzy. That's true. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's it it ends up being yeah yeah a plus. I mean, I mean, for Drake's final line to be, he is a Christmas tradition and end on Santa. Yeah. I do think cutting the tank stuck in the chimney in the middle of winter, screaming for help. <laughs> yes does make it darker and funnier and much more Darkwing Duck. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, of course, if you're super dark, maybe that's where he went to. That's me. Never, no one ever got him out of the found, chimney. They never found him. <laughs> like the dad on Gremlins. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah, yeah, so... Well, I, know, I, know, I, know Tad why, I know why Tad wanted him gone. I do know why. Oh, you know, but okay. if this had to be his last episode, oh, I, I think I, this one... Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Taj, uh, I think Tad just felt the conflict he presented wasn't necessary anymore. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Muddlefoots tend to get... I mean, they're in sparse episodes, but yeah, it really didn't need... You get more mileage out of Binky and, and Herb than... Uh, well, this was around the time every writer fell in love with Herb. Yeah, oh yeah. He started appearing in more episodes than Honker did. Right, yeah, time. right. Uh uh, the other thing, when you mentioned it, the, the Christmas, it is a Christmas tradition. Uh, that too, that was a that was a Kevin Hopps thing. He wanted to stick that in there to kind of keep Christmas alive through it, like through the episode and we're darkling. Well, it also of. pays off that Drake kept saying Christmas tradition the entire episode. And that's right, but I love <laughs> Goslin's take on that. That's nice. Where she gets, you think Christmas tradition? My dad's a Christmas him, cop. Yeah. It's good. Don't tell me another Christmas tradition. No, it's something that makes you feel good when you do it. That's right. <laughs> um, so, of course, Bushwood also gets his last defeat in this one, too. 
Oh, you're right. Yeah. They go really easy on them from now on. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Ha, I, I know. Uh, Twin Beaks, he gets away with the cabbage. Incredible bulk, he just leaves. Um, and uh, Slime Okay, You're Okay, which is one I don't really like that much. I think it's my least favorite Bushroot episode. Okay. Darkwing just lets him go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Star is Scorned is out of canon completely. Yes, no, that, I, I gotta pick Tad's brain sometime on that episode. I want to know what he was thinking because that one is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just yeah. That's the, another one where Bushru comes in game for anything, the nicest guy in the world, and then at a certain point, as they were filming these idiotic pilots, Bushru snaps. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, yeah. Um, That's exactly what happens in this one too. Right. Yeah, he just push push him so far before you know uh, <laughs> he stops <laughs> uh it was interesting uh, even though i knew this was coming up my uh, daughter was um talking with a friend of hers the other day talking about uh she knew the term uh existed for um anti-hero but she was wondering if there was such mm-hmm. a thing as an anti-villain and i'm like oh. uh, you know what yeah bushroot is an anti-villain you know or he really is, and uh, it, it, it she didn't come up with that term. Apparently, it's around somewhere, but it, yeah. I the, think if Darkwing either got more seasons, or they, if they had somehow been able to use him in that second ABC season, I truly think they would have reformed him. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's where he was going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, um, I might as well mention it. I don't know if you're aware of the Darkwing comics. The last one they did, um. It ended with um, Darkwing and Bushroot having like a heart to heart about oh. how Bushroot wants friends. They brought back Posey from Night of the Living Spot. Oh, okay. And they, Bushroot had a killer. Oh, and oh at the oh, end, okay. um, he explains he's just lonely. He did Lover. It's really hard when it's someone yeah. you care about. And Drake Darkwing looks behind Rick Gosling and he goes, I know how you feel. And they're sitting there watching the sunrise, and Bushroot goes, I'm still going to jail, right? And Darkwing's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> that's funny. As, but like as a it. character you created so oh, far, yeah. that's been the last thing. And the comics are considered canon. Disney oh, and Tad consider them canon. So for a character yeah, you cool. created so far, like that's his last adventure. He's actually got to connect with Darkwing a little bit, which I think yeah, is a nice. Yeah. Um... A couple things, just talking about the love aspect, because uh, that was a, a, a line that kind of got a little, I mean, Rhoda and, and, and Bush, or, you know, well, Bush Roots in love with, with Rhoda, obviously. Um, but uh, in the early drafts of it, Darkwing had a thing for Rhoda uh, as well. It was going to be like this love triangle battle, like at the oh. end. Um, it, it, but, uh, I, uh, I just lo- love the way in the, in the end there, where she, <laughs> or the way she, she's played, Rhoda is played, uh, uh, in the end, you know, with, uh, mm-hmm. I'm a plant, uh, you're a plant, I'm a duck, it wouldn't work out. <laughs> I'm a, you're a plant, I'm a duck, it, it wouldn't work out. And then Bushry gets this great, Bushry has the line, I, I, if you know who wrote this line, he goes, you'll, you'll, you'll grow to love it, but first, you'll grow leaves. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so even earlier episodes, just, like, you guys were nailing the dialogue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. yeah. That one, that was early on before we started figuring out where 
like doing things and like breaking it up and doing each one of us writing certain sections. So it's kind of hard, it's harder to say because we would uh, jump around from scene to scene and work on whoever had like an idea for for a particular episode or um, action uh, sequences. I remember right. John did the big battle at, at the end of. Uh, <laughs> A beauty in the beat. Well, then I think I think you should thank him for me for the scenes of Launchpad walking around with the pumpkin. In his but, head. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> that uh, that's another I one. I was thinking the same thing. That, yes, <laughs> the uh, uh, yeah, particularly uh, I don't know. It was just kind of like a, a, a quirk of John's that he really liked. Darkwing to be the hero, you know, mm-hmm. definitively the hero. And sometimes he felt like the launchpad was getting in like the way of that and stuff like that. And so like yeah. putting putting it, we would actually use that as a term uh, in in a number of our scripts. We, we had a character who had to be there for whatever reason, and you but you wanted to get him out of the way. You was putting a pumpkin on. <laughs> well, you <laughs> managed to write him out of hot spells completely. Yeah, right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> He wouldn't have fit in that one anyway. No, and twitching no. channels, he wouldn't have fit in that one too. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of weird. But uh, so, what would you say as Bushroot's one of Bushroot's creators? What would you say is your proudest Bushroot moment as we wrap up here? Uh, well, let's see. Um, uh, Ooh, I put you on the spot. Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Well, I don't know. I'll have to say, because um, this was uh, uh, it was my sister Chris's favorite spot in the in the episode. She always brings it up when she says, you know, it really cracked her up, and um, is where he's getting ready for um, date. the date with his date with Rhoda, and uh, and he gets a weed. <laughs> oh, a weed! <laughs> yeah, a weed. I don't know. It just, you know. Uh, I can't remember which one of us came up with that, but it was like, you know, it's something I knew we were talking about. It, it was like something goes wrong because it always goes, something always goes wrong before you're, you go on a date. and, you know, and it was Nice. Just like, oh, yeah. It, but, you know, when you hit the right line, you go, oh, yes, that's it. OK, we're move on to the next thing. So, <laughs> you know, I think we've given Bushroot his due tonight. I think he deserved it. Oh, def- yes, definitely. And um. So, Jim, is there anything you'd like to plug tonight? Anything you want to mention before we uh, go? No, uh, just that, that I, am, I really, really want someone to come up with a really good Bushroot t-shirt so, you know, I can have something to wear. <laughs> so. yeah. There needs to be just better Darkwing merchandise in oh, general, man. Oh, well, true, true. But, it, and then, um, hey, yeah, an but I, they, they did have one. But it was in a kid's size, it, like right away. It was uh, at Disneyland uh, like when Darkwing came out, and I, I haven't seen it since. But um, he, is, he is on a t-shirt. I bought it at Kohl's a few years ago. It was a villain group <laughs> shop. He is oh, on villain, Okay. Yeah. But this was and, a solo. They, they had a, a solo uh, shirt at, at Disneyland. when. Hey, there's an action figure of Bushroot. Quacker yes, Jack. Can't say that. That was really cool. I That was, I, of I course, have I have mine. Yeah. <laughs> Mine, uh, I, it'd be fun to have a Funko version. I don't know how that would look, but you know, it would be, it'd be I'll cool. I'll wait and see. Yeah. So thank you for being on tonight, Jim. I really appreciate it. Oh, this was really fun. So thank you.
You're welcome. And we are the St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. You can find us on all major podcast apps, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, uh, iTunes, Amazon now. We're on Pocket Cast Radio Public. You can speak into your Amazon Echo. It will um, play the latest episode for you there. We are on Pandora and iHeartRadio. I cannot believe we're on so many apps here. Um, also on YouTube, every episode's on YouTube, as well as videos and, our, and our, of course, our virtual panel. We also run a, um, a Zoom chat every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, you can meet me, Will, and many of our friends. Um, Jim, you were on one of those a few months back. Right. Right. And, um, yeah, it was great. You told, all, you told all of that us this that day. What species was Ammonia Pine originally supposed to be? Oh, yes. Uh, she was a cow. <laughs> Blue Ormines. So the listeners, yeah. you heard as, it here first. As, uh, <laughs> super quick little story. Uh, the reason I remember her as being a cow is uh, she, her line was eat soap duck. And Darkwing's uh, line back to her was suck gas cow. <laughs> and then Ted Ch- Ch- changed it to evildoer. But I didn't I ever thought that the line would actually stick. Oh, so that so the so that line started in Dirty Money. Oh yes, right. Oh, yep. so there we go. Okay. Yep. Again, probably heard it here first, folks. And then later we got angry letters where moms were hearing their children saying suck ass. <laughs> Oh, Lord, it does sound a little bit like that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, suck-ass evildoer. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, well. So, so once again, this was a blast. <laughs> okay. I love I love talking darkening with you, Jim. We will do it again sometime soon. Okay, great. Thank you. So, you're welcome. And everybody listening, have a great night and stay dangerous. Bye.